0: amen good morning it's so good to see all of you here this morning to be with you and it's wonderful to have our visitors with us we want you to know you're welcome here you're always welcome here and if we can ever serve you at any time please reach out and let us know when you were a child what did you dream of being when you grew up do you remember you remember those things that you thought of you just knew that's what you were going to be It was something exciting, wasn't it? Something fun, something that you enjoyed, something that you could just dream of being. It would have been so incredible to be that thing, whatever it was when you grew up, right? And then as you become a teenager and a young adult, you're discovering who you are. You're you're in search of figuring out who am I and why am I here? What am I going to do with my life? And as you get older, the real world of work is something you start discovering and, and you start realizing that it's not all about just big, great dreams and I'm going to be that all, but, but you're still excited about the future and you also start figuring out what you can do and, and more possibilities, tangible possibilities and the reality of who you can be and what you can do with your life. That's a part of growing up, isn't it? It's a part of our life. But I want to ask you something. Is the purpose of our existence to go to school, to get a job, a good job, to have some money, a good job that pays well, to have a career that's exciting and that utilizes your talents and your abilities and and, and gives you comfort and and pleasure and satisfaction and and gives you the lifestyle that you want? Is that the purpose of our life? Is life summed up? by our hobbies and by our our job description, the things that we do, the things that we have and the places we get to go and all of our achievements? Is that the purpose of life? And is that the purpose of your job, of your career, of what you think you want to be and do in the future? I think as, as great and as exciting as that is, and there's nothing wrong with uh, pursuing things you want to do in life and, and, and achieving things and, and, and being able to experience things. But I think deep inside, most folks realize that there's, there's got to be something more. Something deeper, something more significant than, than just what we do for a paycheck, right? Something that, that is beyond this world now that's something eternal. I think we sense that inside of us. And so that's what we want to talk about is what about my purpose? Why am I here? See, our purpose begins with our origins, why we exist in the first place. So we need to go all the way back there to figure out as we begin to look at what is my purpose? What about my purpose? And so if we look at our origins, it will help us start To see it, it will begin to reveal that. Look at Revelation 4.11. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. That's an important verse. We always go to Genesis 1-1 in the beginning. God, God created, and, and we look at all that He created, but that was the first book of our Bible in the Old Testament. Look, in the last one, in the New Testament, we have this passage in Revelation four eleven. You created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. See, we exist simply because God wants us to. We're here because God simply wanted to create us. It's that simple. He wanted to. Creator God, uh, the Almighty God, Sovereign God, the one and only true and living God, created us because He wanted to. It's that simple. He wanted to create creatures who could be in a relationship with Him. That's what He was doing. Scripture tells us that God not only loves, but He is love in 1 John 4.8. And this loving God created us to share Himself with us. You see, in Genesis 1, go back there in verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. See, we are the the greatest of all of God's creation. We're the capstone of all the creatures he created. The greatest one, His, his masterpiece is the human being. And not because we're different than all the, the animals and the birds and the fish and the insects and all that because He created us to be able to have relationships, not just with one another, although that is a part of how He created us, a wonderful part of how He made us, but to be in relationship with Him. God didn't create any other creature to be in a relationship with Him, only us. Only we get that privilege and that honor. And then in Genesis one thirty one we see that after he created everything, he looked at his creation, and what did he say? He said, it is very good. So God didn't need us. He didn't lack anything. All of those, if we could count human years, because He's eternal, He never had a beginning. But if, you know, the the gazillions of years, the endless numbers of years, that human years that He existed before He created us, He wasn't lonely. He he wasn't wondering, what am I going to do? I'm bored. I need something. That's not what was going on. He wasn't lonely and didn't need us. He created us simply because He wanted to. He wanted to create us to love us and also to have us love Him in a relationship with Him. That's an amazing thing that Creator God would do that and do that for us. And so he created human beings capable of this relationship that we could share one another, sharing his love, and he could share his glory with us. But we know what happened, don't we? It didn't last too long. Before long, Adam and Eve messed things up for all of us. They chose in their God-given free will that, uh, to, to sin against God, to turn away from God. See, God is all-knowing, isn't he? And so God being all-knowing, when He created us, even the angels in heaven because they, they sinned against, some sinned against Him, the Bible tells us, and they were cast out of heaven. That's how uh, Satan got to where he is now and in the situation that he is, he is in now. But, but in creating us with free will, He knew that that automatically meant that that included by design... The ability to choose wrong, to choose sin, to choose to turn away from Him, to choose not to love Him, not to be in a relationship with Him. You cannot have free will and yet force everybody to love you. And so He knew that this would happen. He knew in giving us free will, He hoped that we would choose Him always because His heart is to love us because He created us. We're the greatest of His creation, but He knew also that that wouldn't always be the case. But, but he, we didn't take him by surprise. He also, being all-knowing, knew what was going to happen. And he always had a plan to save us from sin, to save us from ourselves and from being lost away from him for eternity. Look at Acts 2.23. This Jesus delivered up... Uh, Peter is preaching to the crowd there on that day of Pentecost of thousands of Jewish people from all over. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. Peter talks about it in, in, in his first letter, 1 Peter 1.20, where he says he was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. See, see God knew this was going to happen, and He made a plan to save us by sending His Son so that we could have a restored relationship for everyone who would turn to Him uh, according to Scripture. And so the reason you exist, and this is your purpose for existing. If you want to know, what is my purpose? The reason you exist is to be in a saving relationship with God. That's the reason you exist. That's your purpose is to be in a right relationship with God. God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. They communicated. That's how God wanted things. That's how He intended things. That's how He purposed our relationship to be. And so that's still His purpose for us today. See, Another thing we need to understand about purpose is that it is not about earthly things. It's not about earthly things, but everything in the world, everything in our culture, and some of the, and the prosperity, gospel preachers, word of faith, theology, all of that nonsense, all that, that will tell you that it is about earthly things. But the Bible tells us that your purpose, your reason for existing is not about earthly things. That doesn't mean all earthly things are bad and wrong and you can't have anything. It's not but it's not about earthly things. See, purpose isn't about that perfect job that perfectly fits your talents and interests and comfort and pays you a perfectly fitting wage so you can have a lot and do a lot. That is not why you walk this planet. That's not purpose. They, uh, the, the prosperity gospels will tell you that if, you're, if you have the right kind of faith, if you have great faith, then you'll be blessed with all these earthly things, right? That couldn't be further from the truth. Does God bless us? Absolutely, Mark chapter 6. There's plenty of places. God takes takes care of His people, but that doesn't mean you're never going to suffer a sniffle. That doesn't mean your car's not going to break down. That doesn't mean you're not going to get sick, that things aren't going to happen. That's just not reality. That's not the world that we live in. That's not what you read in your Bible, and that's not how we see the New Testament in the New Testament, Jesus and the disciples living. That's not how we see the faithful of the Old Testament living their lives. When Jesus was sending out the 12 apostles, what did he tell them? Matthew chapter 10:22, "You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus said of himself uh, here in Luke 9:58, Foxes, have holes, Uh, birds of the air have nests, and the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. This is the Son of God. And he didn't have a palace. He didn't have someone driving him. He didn't have all of the pleasures and riches and wealth, but he could have had them. He could have had them with a thought, and yet he didn't. Have you noticed that usually when people talk about purpose in earthly terms and in worldly terms and talk about discovering their purpose, that it's always attached to a, a, a glamorous career that pays them well, that's exciting, right? No one ever says, my purpose in life is to roof houses. No one ever says, my purpose in life is to be a store manager. No one ever says that. Why? Because that's not glamorous. But wait a second, those are good, honest jobs, aren't they? Yes, they are. There's nothing wrong with those jobs. Those are good jobs. But nobody ever claims that as a purpose uh, because that's not what is sold to us. That's not the message that culture gives us as what ought to be your purpose. And so it's supposed to be something up here, something glamorous, something amazing, something that people will want to look at on social media and say, Wow, look at what they get to do. I can't believe it. They're, they're amazing. See, see uh, good, honest jobs can be uh, used by God just as much as any other job, the glamorous job that has fame or whatever. But see, the problem is, is that that message won't sell many tickets, won't sell many books, and it won't pack a crowd, will it? If you sell a message of, that's not what this is about. See, your purpose in life is not about earthly things. Now think about it. Do you see how self-centered that message and that belief is? That my purpose for existing is what? Really, if you start dissecting it, what they're saying is, it's all about me. It's about what I like, what I want to do, my dreams, my comfort, my experiences, my pleasures. That's the way purpose is marketed to us and sadly sometimes in churches as well. So... That's not what all uh, purpose is about. When Jesus began his ministry in Luke chapter four, look at what he did. This is the Son of God. How did he begin his ministry? He walks, uh, and he's in the he's in Nazareth. He goes into the synagogue and he reads from the book of Isaiah. They hand him the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads about healing and serving and saving. Look at verse seventeen through twenty-one. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, "'Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing.'" See, Jesus told us exactly what his purpose was later on in, that, in Luke's book, 1910. "'For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost.'" He said, "'That's my purpose.'" And what did it get him? It got him trouble. He had to... If you read John's gospel... Jesus literally had to slip away from the crowd so he he didn't get captured and killed you know not at the appointed time when it wasn't the right time. He had to escape uh, mobs and, and people coming after him. He had to hide. he had to face danger and ridicule and persecution and ultimate death for his purpose. Nobody's signing up for that, are they? See Jesus could have made uh, his life... Easy. He could have made it uh, luxurious, but he knew it wasn't about earthly things. And in and, 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 and Matthew chapter 4, when he was in the desert for t- his temptation time, before he began his public ministry, think about what Satan tempted him with. Wasn't it about earthly things? Uh, look at... Uh, what he, what he talked about, you'll inherit these kingdoms, you'll inherit these riches, you'll have honor and power and authority and glory, but all in, by earthly definition. And Jesus said, that's not what it's about. That's not why I'm here and that's not what purpose is about. But that's what Satan wanted to sell even our Savior. So followers of Christ should be the same way, shouldn't we? Paul told us here, If then you've been raised with Christ, in Colossians chapter 3, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory." See, the Christian's mind is supposed to be set on the things of God, the things above, above the earth, not on the things of the earth, because we understand that purpose isn't about earthly things. Our life is now hidden with Christ in God, so we're to be devoted to Him and our minds set aside for the things of God, for His use in our lives, for Him to use us. Paul said, offer your bodies as instruments of righteousness. Jesus tells His followers in Matthew six nineteen through 21, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, what? There your heart will be also. So ask yourself, well, where's my treasure? Is it out here on earthly things where you think that's your purpose, that's a reason you exist? Or is it on heavenly things, on God's things? And wherever you find your treasure, Jesus is saying, that's where you'll find your heart. You want to know where your heart is? Find where your treasure is. What is it you treasure? What is it you just you seek? What is the, that's most important to you? What is your life all about? That's where your heart's going to be because that's what you treasure most. And the Bible's telling us, Christians, it's got to be about the things of God. You don't exist just for the things of the earth. The greatest fulfillment we'll ever find... Is a life devoted to God with our minds set on heaven. Nothing else in this world, nothing will fulfill you like that will fulfill you. Now, another thing that we learn about purpose from Scripture is that your purpose is to glorify God. Your purpose is to glorify God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, addressing some cultural issues, eating certain foods, that sort of thing. Uh, And look at verse number 31. Here's what he concludes. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. So I like that he just said, whatever. So he's like, listen, whatever you do, you name it. He's saying, whatever. And you fill in the blank, whatever you do, do what? All to the glory of God. So what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to do everything I do to the glory of God. Well, that gives you purpose in your job. Instead of confusing your job with your purpose, it helps you understand your job. You do everything to the glory of God. So, he, so God's glory should control us, should guide all of our choices. And if we just use that one question, that one measurement... For our choices that we make, that would clarify a lot of things in our life. If you just ask yourself, you got a decision to make, a temptation, an issue you got to deal with, does this glorify God or does it not? And you answer the question, and then there's your answer. And then your priorities, your choices, line up right behind that. You see how that works? What if Christians filtered everything that we did, all of our choices, the things that we did, our decisions, our lifestyle, everything that we did through that question, does this glorify God or not? And look how clarifying that is if we were to do that. So look at 2 Corinthians 5 verse 15. Paul wrote that Jesus died for all, that those who live and he's talking about living and being in Christ, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. What is he saying? He's saying that when you're a Christian, everything changes in your life. Everything changes in your mind, and you don't live for yourself. You see, that's what the world tells you to seek For purpose in life it's what you want everything you know all of the calculations are correct you've cracked the code and you've crafted this customized personal purpose just for you so you can have total satisfaction and contentment and all of its based on worldly things all of it is but think about it how many people around the world and throughout history have had that luxury how many of you are, are most older folks growing up? You went through some times, didn't you? And I've heard, I've heard a lot of stories from our oldest generations. Through the Depression, when there was nothing. I remember one time at Oldham Lane, we were collecting canned foods for our food bank. And you know what happens? Sometimes, you know, we had a list of the things that they needed. The food bank said they needed. And you know what happens? Sometimes people are just clearing out the pantry. And one time we got this big can, and it just was funny to me. One of our older members was up there who, uh, he, he's the one that took it to the food bank, and he was up there, and we were talking and looking at everything and sorting it. And it was this big silver can, but printed on the can was just a pig. That was it. It's a pig, and I just thought it was funny because it was just uh, it was just meat in a can, and and uh, he said, when I was growing up, we sure would be thankful to have that can of meat, and he knew I was kidding, but that was such a interesting statement, because today we can look at that and say that's weird, ooh, gross. But gr- but growing up in those days, and who knows, we may see those days again. You got a can of meat. You're gonna be thankful for that. And guess what? Your whole family's gonna be sharing that can of meat. Or maybe all you got is beans and rice and tortillas. That might be all you have for a while, and you'd be thankful for what you have. You see, but that's not so many people's reality. But so many people say, "I don't have a choice." What are you talking about choice? I gotta go over there and grow some food out of this ground. I got to go be able to get that hog and kill it and those chickens and that cow. And then I got to get into town and we got to get some grain. And it's about survival. It's about making it through today. It's not about what I want to do. It's about what I got to do, right? And so there's there's a mentality there that unfortunately we've lost so much of. And I wish we haven't. So it's because Christians understand what God did for us that we live our lives in service to him through our job. See, Christians need to understand that your job is about God for God to use you in that location, in that vocation that you're in. That job itself isn't your purpose. Peter tells us that the your uh, look at Look at our next slide. The purpose of purpose is to serve. The purpose of purpose is to serve. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. uh, Peter writes, "...as each has received a gift..." Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one uh, serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So your purpose in life is about serving others with your abilities that God has given you in whatever you might be doing. And maybe that is a job that you just love and it, and it just fits your talents and interests perfectly. But maybe it's not that thing you want to be doing, but it's what you got to be doing. And God didn't address that. He just said, you be serving. You glorify me in whatever it is you're doing. See, your employment is what God has blessed you with to make a living. That's what that is. And it might line up with your interests and abilities or it might not. But Christians want to know, what do I do with my job? How do I be a Christian and share my faith on my job? Well, that's what you do is you realize your purpose isn't the job. Your purpose is to live for God, to be in relationship with Him, to serve Him, to glorify Him, to share Him. And He put you in that job. He blessed you with that job to work through you in that job does that make sense that's the way you need to see your job because otherwise if you're not doing the glamorous thing that's making the money and giving letting you travel and have all the stuff that you want to have and everything then you're going to say well I'm not in my purpose I'm not I'm not being what God wants me to be because I'm over here making deliveries Well, that's where God blessed you to do that. And you're seeing all these people that you get to interact with. And God can use you through all those stops that you make to share the love of Christ and the message of Christ. So uh, Jesus tells us in... Uh, we really see two things that help us to understand working through our jobs as Christians that ultimately our service is summed, summed up in two things, the great commandment and the great commission. And we see those listed there. The great commandment to love the Lord your God with what? With your all, everything, every bit of you. And then he says the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And then the Great Commission is what? Uh, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and behold, I'll be with you always at the end of the edge. He didn't say only if you're in the right kind of job. He said this is your purpose. This is what you're about. This is what you're supposed to do with your life. And he said the most important thing in your life as a Christian is to love God and serve Him, and then that also goes back to love your neighbors yourself—that second commandment. Because we're supposed to be reaching people with the gospel, in the from the Great Commission. You do that in any job you're in, whether you're retired and you're busy doing all kinds of you do you doing that doesn't matter what job you're in, and of course we mean nothing ungodly that you're in. So uh, as we kind of start coming to the end, we need to understand that. Our purpose is also tied to the church. Now I want to mention that Matt mentioned it in class this morning. Next week we're going to start our next Sunday morning class and we're we're talking about sharing our faith or personal evangelism. So we're going to spend some time on that for the rest of the year uh, talking about that. How do I share my faith? How how do I do that? What do I need to do? We're going to to, uh, make that interactive and we want to encourage you to be here for that series. But your purpose is also tied to the church. That's by God's. God's design. It's it's by design that He created the church as the body of Christ. He gave that body to us to be able to gather together to worship, to edify, to be educated so that we can scatter to serve and do His will. So we come together to to get equipped and to worship and we scatter to go and do what we're supposed to be doing. So so church attendance and participation should be a priority for Christians. Why? Because we get it. We understand what this is about. We understand our purpose in life, that it's about worshiping God, living Him for Him, glorifying Him, sharing Him, being in relationship with Him. It's not about how busy I am and all the other things I've got I to do. Ephesians 2.10, Paul writes, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What does that tell us? that tells us that you were saved to serve, not to sit. You were saved to serve, not to sit. So that you don't read in the, in the New Testament that Christians become Christians and then they're supposed to just sit down. That's not what we see in Scripture. Okay, We, weren't, we aren't saved by our works, and works don't save us, but Scripture clearly shows us we are saved to work. Does that make sense? That's an important distinction. And finally, God has given us a purpose to die for. A purpose to die for. I mean, isn't that like that that, that deepest longing in our lives? Is I want to do something great with my life. Something that really matters. Something that leaves a lasting impact. Well, your purpose that God created you with is just that. It's the biggest, most magnificent, incredible purpose of any purpose there could possibly be. And that is to live with Him for all of your life. Look at our older saints who, no matter what their their body might be doing, how it might be failing them, they don't stop. Do you notice those people? If you don't, I want to encourage you to look around and find those people who are serving to the very last drop of life. And that's such a powerful example of how we're supposed to live our lives. They don't let anything stop and not even this old broken down body. See, we are given a purpose to die for at the end of your life. What are you going to be thinking about? When you're laying there in your last few hours, few minutes, what are your thoughts? Perhaps you think about, did I leave my family enough financially to take care of them? Did I, did I do this? Did I do that? But but ultimately your thoughts are gonna be about who you love, right? And you're gonna be thinking about what's next. I'm going to be with God, or am I going to be with God? Those are the things people talk about in their last moments. And you'll wonder if your life life mattered. And I'm here to tell you that if you want to live a life that mattered, the best way to do it, the, 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 the true way to do it, is to live a life understanding your God-given, God-created purpose in life. To be in a a right relationship with Him. And to serve Christ for all of your life. That's the only thing that matters in eternity. Is did you fulfill your purpose? Did you live out your God-given purpose? To be in a saving relationship with Him, glorifying Him, sharing Him. Paul wrote, For to me... To live is Christ. He wrote it like that on purpose because the Holy Spirit told him to. It sounds kind of odd to us. For to me to live is Christ. That means he understood why he existed. To live is Christ. And then what did he say? To die is gain. Folks, the only way you gain when you die is if you're in Christ. The only way you gain when you die is when you're in Christ. None of this stuff you take taken with you. The only way to gain is if you're in Christ. And then you gain that heavenly reward to be with God and be with your Savior eternally in heaven forever. With all of your loved ones who made that same commitment. Is Jesus the reason you live? Is Jesus the reason you live? Is your life centered on your created purpose for living for Him, serving Him, glorifying Him, and sharing Him? You can have that purpose by being baptized into Christ and putting on Christ in baptism this morning. We can help you do that. Maybe you, you've, you've been baptized, you're a Christian, but you've gotten off track in your purpose. You, you've gotten out of sync and you've been, your mind's been on earthly things and you need to get it back right in sync with being on heavenly things, the things of God. We can help you in that area as well. However we can serve you this morning, let us know as we stand in sync.